Seth. Hello, Jake. How do you do, good man? Doing very well. Glad to be here. I'm glad to hear that, I'm, and I'm excited for you. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since we spoke. Uh, joking aside, it is great chatting with you again, my man. Today, we are going to be discussing really 2022 uh, in review, if you would. We're going to discuss uh, two or three films that we liked and one that we were disappointed by. I am expecting some crossover on our lists, given the overall poor quality or small or lack of quality films this year might be a better way to say it. Uh, or lack of high quality films, uh, but I guess we'll find out in a moment. Yeah, um, it was an interesting year. Um, you know, again, I don't think we're quite at the same movie output that we were pre-pandemic, but there's still movies to watch. There's still movies to judge. Um, I will start um, with my my third favorite movie of the year. Um, is going to go to everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I think I came across pretty critical this movie when we uh, did an episode together on it. Um, but I do, I did really appreciate the ambition of the movie, um, the the different styles used, the avant-garde aspect of it. It's not a movie that would come along every year. Um, certainly not the type of movie that gains as much popularity as this one did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just. I have an appreciation for it. Um, I do think that like at times it's a little bit much, a, a little bit messy, um, but it does, you know, kind of achieve what it's set out to do. And I would recommend that movie to anybody um, that's in the movies. It is, it's just a, a interesting experience. And so I am, it is going to make my list as, as my number three here. I am just delighted to hear that Seth, that, that just tickles my heart and my fancy. Um, yeah. I, Joking aside, obviously when we spoke, we spoke about it recently. I loved it. Um, I am excited, very excited to see that it's on your top three list. I will admit I'm a little surprised. Uh, prior to our conversation about the film, I thought it would be. And then after speaking with you, um, ah, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised to see it on your list. I'm not going to hang on the rim. Uh, we all know how I feel about it. But yeah, <laughs> for me, um, the... Uh, and it, per usual, there's very little I can add to it in terms of eloquence or uh, a detail that you didn't, that you can or didn't. But yeah, the, uh, the things I really just liked about the film, for me, it's number one on my list. Um, I'll give my third shortly, but and I won't bring it up again. Again, no need to hang on the rim here. But again, excited that you like it. Um, and for me, what I really like, I, I like the cast. I like the ambition. And w- for me... Uh, the humor really worked um, and what I really enjoyed about the film is that humor doesn't usually work for me and when it does it doesn't work to that level and I just found myself laughing my my ass off half the time um, and a lot of scenes and, and like the crazier things they did the better they worked and for me just the whole film comes down to the, the climax works with like a scene of sausage fingered lesbians and that sounds crazy and that's and that's real and that's like one of just several crazy multiverse uh like vignettes in the finale and i loved it it was great so that so yes i'm not gonna say anything else about it so excited again that movie had a very high degree of difficulty i think and so that i mean that's kind of where most of my appreciation comes from it's just like 
it, it was a very tough movie to pull off the way that they did. And they did pull it off despite that, you know, whoever, me being critical of it or whatnot, like I can still admit, like they did pull off what they were trying to do. To use an old school reference, it's like a 1080, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. All right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Number three on Seth's list. Number one on mine. Uh, now I'm going to give you my third. And this film, a little background as I kind of hinted to before, not a great year. Specifically, a lot of genre films, I think, disappointed in sequels, namely Thor, Wakanda Forever, and even Avatar Way of Water, for me, all failed. To, not only did they not meet or exceed the previous film's content, uh, I thought it was a far, like a far drop, or a significant drop is probably a better way to put it. Uh, but not talking about the films we didn't like, the film I did like this year, and initially it was going to be Smile, but then my brother kind of shamed me out of it without realizing he, he kind of d- dismantled that movie in about 10 seconds for me. Um, we'll save that for another time. But the film that ends up number three in my heart this year is Prey. And it is the latest feature in the Predator series. And I just really love this film. I did a little mini-sode on it. Came out over the summer. I, ha- I had It hadn't been on my radar. I knew there were a bunch of films that once they... Once Disney acquired Fox, I knew a bunch of their films were going straight to uh, Hulu. And it was really more of the smaller, mid-level projects. And this film was great. Like, this was one of the best streamer films I've ever seen. And that's because it wasn't made for streamer. It had Dan Trachtenberg, uh, Amber Midthunder, who's that, who's big on a lot of FX series. Uh, but it, it, it felt like a movie production quality. Uh, but more than that, like not only was a good quality in terms of production, I, I really loved it. It's like a simple, it, the story is simple yet it's layered. And it's also, it, it is, I like the predator series. The first one is one of my all time favorites from like watching with my dad when I was way too young. I, I even like um, predators. I, and uh, I even like alien versus predator. I even like uh, predator too is campy and it shouldn't work. But for, I remember watching that film way too often again on WB 11 or Pix 11, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And I loved it. Like that whole, the whole, I like that film, but even recognize now it's like a B schlocky film. But I like this series and Prey was just great. Um, I, I won't keep singing its praises. I basically hit all the, the notes already, but Prey is really great. Uh, it is a cool survival sci-fi action flick that that's the best way to put it that's it i mean i'm i i'm definitely a fan of the predator (laughs) series of movies i definitely loved watching the original um predators did kind of grab me for a moment or two the adrian brody movie um wasn't a big fan of like the avp when they kind of merged the movies i thought that got a little weird for a little bit um but it's interesting that you're speaking so highly of prey it does make me want to watch it so i'm gonna I'm going to add that to my late night list when uh, when all my kids and my wife go to bed. Highly recommend. Really fun movie to watch, too, Solo. Nice. Good. So on to number two, Seth. Hit me, baby. Number two. Um, this kind of surprised me that it, it made my list. But for number two, um, I'm going to go with Top Gun Maverick. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that the um, energy from the first movie 
was um, re-established basically 30 years later. Um, it really did kind of, you know, I don't think every movie needs to be um, super dramatic or, you know, necessarily needs Daniel Day-Lewis giving like a method acting performance. I think it's totally fine to have a popcorn action movie um, that's fun to sit back and watch and it's just highly entertaining. And that was really the formula that worked for the first movie as well. Um, you know, Tony Scott um, really kind of created a different type of action movie um, and it did kind of capture audiences across the world when it, when that got released. And so the fact that Cruz was able to, you know, be the executive producer and pull off this movie 30 years later was pretty amazing to me. Um, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much. I didn't think it would make as much money as it did. Um, it really did kind of like, um, you know, just kind of reestablish re that franchise a little bit. Wouldn't surprise me if they kind of milk it a little bit more and, and, and you know, go for a sequel or something. Um, also, you know, there were some nice, fresh, younger faces in there. Um, I was a little back and forth with Miles Teller, but it, it you know, to make as much money as that movie did for as old as Cruises, um, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So, yes, number two on my list is Top Gun Maverick. We are simpatico, my man. Number two for me, Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah, per usual, not much to add to your your, your normal eloquence. Um, and really agree with you on pretty much every beat there. For me personally, the film, what really cemented this film as not only two on this list, but one of my favorite films of this year, probably the last few years, was the second time I watched it. Uh, is We talked about... And you mentioned it's a sequel. It knows it's a sequel. It leans into that. And like by leaning into it, it's not, it's like, not that it elevates it, but by knowing what it is, I, I think it just ends up being able to deliver like a really fun experience to the fans. Like that's one of the things like I kind of, my defense of the Marvel films is they're not trying to be the Dark Knight. Like they're not, they're not trying to be the Joker. Like they're trying to deliver you an, a certain experience and it's not for everyone, but if you want that experience, like it's, and some experiences are better. Some experiences bring in more people and at Top Gun, I don't know. The coolest thing about this is how it made money. It was the only film to ever be the top film on Memorial day and labor day. It's nuts. Like it just, it's really cool how it did, how it did it. And uh, it clearly was sticky with fans. I, I love it. Yeah. And what the second time I saw this film, when I end up liking it more than the first, that for me was what just nailed it. I was like, it's that's a good, yeah, that's a good barometer right there. Um, if you enjoyed it more the second time around, for sure. It's nuts. And I found myself the other day, I was watching some YouTube clips of some of the scenes, not even like the actual action scenes, but the training scenes. So I right there with you. I love, love this film at, at number two. I love it for us. I love it for us too. That's <laughs> I'm happy we linked up right there. So, we we're about halfway through. We already know my number one. Uh, before we get to yours, let's quickly pivot because I don't want to end on a sour note. But what do you have a film that disappoints you this year? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I would say <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion um, <laughs> disappointed me. Um, <laughs> Granted, I, I did watch that movie on an airplane. I'm sure the dinosaurs look better on a big screen. But I, for whatever reason, you know, they got some of the original cast back together. And I was like, oh, I like these people. I'll watch, you know, I, 
I've read the original Michael Crichton book. I was always a big fan of that book. And so I was like, you know what I am? I've seen all the other Jurassic Park movies. So why not just continue my investment into this franchise? Um, and it was just not a great movie, honestly. The, there was just a lot wrong with it. Um, at one point, like, I think when I kind of like really started to roll my eyes was like when Chris Pratt had like a raptor baby strapped across his body. <laughs> just, what are these people Recording doing? in progress. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Seth. Keep, keep on going. <laughs> um, but yeah, that like that at the moment where there's like Raptor Baby involved, and it was just there's just so much happening where I was like, man, I don't know where we've gone with this whole thing. And like, I just felt like we were so far away from that original idea that Crichton had with that first book, which I love so much. Um, and so it was just kind of a disappointing experience. For I mean, at the same time, it, like it wasn't like I was expecting you know, Citizen Kane at a Jurassic Park World Dominion, but I was just kind of expecting to be a, a little bit more entertained than I was, I guess. And so the, the movie kind of, you know, I, and also at the end of it, I was like, man, is this really how this franchise is like going out? Or are they going to make more movies like somehow? And like, I don't know, I just couldn't envision a good future for the franchise and all of that kind of stuff kind of le left me a little depressed about it. <laughs> that is a perfect... That, that's almost the perfect pivot from where I was because talking about a film that doesn't know what it was, yes. Jurassic Park, say what you want about the, the sequels, like the first three sequels, they were about parks of dinosaurs. It's Jurassic Park. It is an enclosed area. It has that... Um, I. It's the... It, it is a combination... The Jurassic Park films are like the Poseidon Adventure or the, like, it, it's the, yeah, they're disaster films. Yeah. They're monster movies because the monster is the natural disaster. <laughs> and it's talk about like, once they added, once they added the element of weaponizing dinosaurs, like, that was a cool element. And that was like a very small thread in Jurassic Park Dominion. But the problem with that thread was once they left the park, they didn't know what to do. The second film takes place at a mansion. Like it's, and it's, and there's a cloned baby girl yeah. who's part dinosaur. But I still don't understand what was she, what part of her is dinosaur? Like she's not strong. She's not smart. Yeah. There, there was also some sort of like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos comparison happening with like the CEO of the company and like he's kind of gone madman type and it was just it were, was like part yeah. lex luther parts of it felt like it was more james bond like there's a scene yeah, you know, with the raptors they're like riding motorcycles chasing raptors all over the city and the other thing about this whole concept of weaponizing dinosaurs that i just didn't get was like they're not like arming them with weapons or like like i'm like in that they're not like getting a dinosaur and like putting armor on it and like putting like a weapon that's being like controlled like as a drone or they're not using them as drones they're using them like the way romans used war dogs just like setting them after like people to try and cause chaos where more of this i'm not <laughs> i am not i did not i have no military experience i am not a military expert but i do know just letting some like dogs off the leash at your enemy like doesn't really mean anything like and also in the first movie, 
uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character escapes all these dinosaurs and heals in the jungle. And in every subsequent film, you have Owen, like, whooping the crap out of these raptors with, like, a head fake and, like, a banner and, like, some, like, little tricks. Like, I'm sorry, they're not good weapons. So, like, the whole idea know, of like, the weaponization yeah. collapses yeah. on itself. One of my, I mean, again, one of my biggest problems is, like, the raptors in the original movie were used so intelligently by Spielberg, um, almost like the way he uses Jaws in Jaws, obviously, where it's, like, you don't see them coming. And it's the whole idea of the threat of them kind of like in the jungle is what's really frightening. The fact that they, they hunt in packs and stuff like that. And so, but to have them sort of like out in the open and now they're being trained and now they're also being like, um, took away all the mystique modified. Yeah. It's like it's in broad daylight now. And now it just, it just doesn't, they don't operate the same way or the way that it, it, the way it worked in that original movie. And so, yeah, all of that's like super frustrating to me. I mean, I know that they're trying to like evolve the franchise, I guess, with this whole the Jurassic World movies, but I don't know that it's evolving in any discernible way that makes any sense. <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna—I think we're gonna talk about that film soon, so I'll save this for for that. But the, my takeaway after watching this film was I, I gave Colin Trevorrow—I I always had pity for him. I felt like he got screwed with this third Star Wars film by just by the fact that not commenting on Ryan Johnson's film. But just the fact that he was basing his film off of J.J. Abrams' script. Like, yeah. he read it with the same time as Ryan Johnson. So that was the project he worked on for a few years before he read Ryan Johnson's script and found out. And, like, it was done at that point what was happening. So um, and he actually signed on before J.J. even wrote a script. So, like, but after seeing this film, I, him not working on that for a third film, I think, was probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll be um, so my biggest yeah what's your letdown film Jake so I thought about this uh, there are a lot of disappointing films this year but one and it actually came out right around the t- same time as everything everywhere all at once was The Northman by Robert Eggers oh right yeah and this was a film that I'll be honest from the first time I heard about it I was like, morbidly curious is probably the best like I, first of all, I love Robert Eggers. Uh, I think The Witch is great. I saw The Lighthouse. Uh, I think it's interesting. It doesn't totally work for me, but it, it's good. Like I would suggest people seeing it. Like it's an interesting film, and I think reading it's more interesting reading the interpretations or reading or watching the YouTube videos afterwards because it's a film that's really open to interpretation. Yeah, this film's not. This film is, and The Witch is about like slowly building and like methodically building to something. And there's some deeper themes there about the role of sex and sexuality in a male dominated world. Yeah. That's not here either. That's not there. Um, and this is a film, so it is supposed to be based off Hamlet, which of itself, Shakespeare adapted from a prior story called Amleth, which was German. Quick history, Shakespeare was British, or what we call modern-day British. They were invaded by the Vikings, or what modern-day modern day Vikings are from several times, by several different people. So that's why you've got these German stories adapted, blah, blah, blah. I don't know why I even said that. Nobody cares. But uh, <laughs> the main thing being that this is like the original Amleth story, which is a Viking story. The problem with that is people know Hamlet. They don't know Amleth. And 
it like there's like some there are larger thematic and some larger like the plot elements that are definitely you can see the the connection yeah but when you remove the english the shakespearean language the iambic pentameter when you remove that setting and when you remove every thing else about it that might connect it to hamlet it removes any affinity for that story because it's not that story it's a different story and it's like almost completely it, like for me as a someone who likes shakespeare i didn't work for me at a shakespeare level it didn't work for me on someone is who like who likes period pieces and one of the things is like oh this is like the most accurate medieval viking story and i believed it because it was boring as hell like it was <laughs> there was no personality and i actually felt like it actually to me felt like a piece of anti-Viking propaganda. It like painted them as these like unhumorous, inhuman, like warlords, like just like running around like superhuman almost. And like with no, just like no humanity at all. Like it it was very, it was just like, it, it is the type of thing I would imagine the Catholic church, if possible, would be showing everyone to turn them against the Vikings. Like it was just like very weird. Like, so for me, and like those movies can work, like I'm not trying to be, you can have like a hard movie, like but like usually there's something else there, like it's really gory, like it you're kind of like going that, like it's like it's gory, or there's a ton of action, or both, or there's like nudity and sex, and like some like there's like other like you kind of like lean into that, and this film like has nudity and and sex, but it's like not it's very raw and like, it's not in a sexy way. And like, there are a few moments that are supposed to be tender, but like there's nudity, like it's not a sexy film. It's not like, it, it really almost any way. And there's violence, but like the action is almost so violent. It's not entertaining. Huh. And the lighting is bad. Like it's a film that like, it, I just think of the end of the game of Thrones where ev- everyone hated the battle of Winterfell and the director was like, Oh, well you didn't watch it in the right setting. No, it's your fault. Like, film it in a way that's not too dark. And this film, like, there's a few scenes. Like, the, the scene where he fights... There's two main sorts... I'm going to stop talking about it. It's a, Well, my take from what you're saying, I, what's interesting to me is, like, to take all the subtext away from a story like Hamlet that is so layered and deep <laughs> with... Like, it sounds like somebody took that, the shell of that, and took away all the layers, which honestly, like, would make for a boy. I mean, Hamlet himself is known for as a character of like inactivity, and so it's like, you know, if you take away all that subtext and all the deep thought that's involved in it, I'm not sure what you're left with. Honestly, I mean, I, again, it is one of the most famous, if not the most famous, Shakespearean story. It is. And so, and this is uh, this is the last thing I'll say about it. In Hamlet, he pretends to be crazy and everyone knows who he is and it's, there's a ton of things going on. In this story, he runs away when he's young. He's, he becomes a Viking. His, his whole story is revenge. He comes back. First of all, he's a giant. Like, he's physically larger among the Vikings. He's clearly huge. Gotcha. And he comes back and he pretends to be like an idiot. He pretends to be, like, he pretends to be a slave and an idiot. And like, that's how he works his way into the household. Here's the thing. It, it would be like if LeBron James was all of a sudden in your household, your medieval lord, and this person is LeBron James, 
and you are the actual size of one of those medieval lords, like five feet. And you start slapping them around and smacking them around, or people start dying, and everyone's got to know who could be stringing people up, like candy. Like it just is so obvious it's him. It doesn't work on any level, and it sucks. I like the actors, I like the director, and the thing that really bothered me was it was made for ninety million dollars, which meant it was always going to fail. This film was never going to make two hundred million dollars. It was never going to make one hundred fifty million dollars, and it came out at the same time. But as everything everywhere all at once and unbearable way to massive talent. And to me, everything everywhere all at once came out first and it was better and it had longer legs. So it, it did fine. But everything everywhere all at once. I mean, excuse me, um, the unbearable way to massive talent and this film killed each other by coming out at the same time. I'm going to stop talking about it too much <laughs> on a disappointment. But yeah, that's it was, I, it was a mess. So that's unfortunate. It was a mess. It was a mess. So, Seth, let's yes. go to your number one, baby. My number one. Um, this, I mean, I think would be a surprise. It's not the type of movie I would normally anoint as the best of the year. Um, it was the movie I found to be most enjoyable, the most surprising watch that I had. Um, and so my number one for 2022 is going to be Barbarian. Um, I sat down, watched this movie, and was just pleasantly surprised with every little twist and turn. It sucked me in. Um, you know, I was actually interested when it kind of changed protagonists a couple times. Um, and, you know, I don't think it was a perfect movie. And I think the ending was a little bit sloppy. Um, but at the same time, for what it was and what it kind of became and all the subtext that's involved in the movie, the more, you know, I found myself thinking about it afterwards and just kind of like trying to understand more nuances and meanings about it. Um, I really do think it's the epitome of like the low budget horror movie that becomes way bigger than the sum of its parts. Um, and so, I would, yeah, again, just the the most surprising watch and the most enjoyable watch that I had this year was, was with Barbarian. I, I love that pick. Um, I, I guess I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised. I knew how much you liked that film. And that was on my list as well. That was in one of my honorable mentions. Um, for me, I ended up liking Smile more just from like a horror standpoint. I thought it got more thrills out of me. So that was why it was kind of bumped down. But with that being said, I think Barbarian is the better film to Smile. I was just more scared in Smile. So kind of, that was my rating system. I mean, yeah, I don't know that Barbarian's the scariest movie I've ever watched. There were definitely moments that, you know, I was on the edge of my seat, I guess I would say, but I did I, like, there's just, there's dark humor. Um, there's subtext about men and misogyny. Um, there's kind of like a mother complex that's involved. It, it just, it had a lot. And especially just that the first act to draw you in as if it is a classic kind of like home invasion movie or something like that. And then the deeper down you go into that basement and the further down the hallways and the further down into that pit you go, just the more it, it changed what my expectations were and where it was going. And there's nothing I love more than when I'm in, I'm watching a movie and I actually, it surprises me and I don't know what's happening next. And I had that feeling throughout, once you kind of get down into that basement in Barbarian, I had that feeling for the rest of the movie. And like at that point, I'm just kind of like, I'm happy that I'm having that moment because it's just like, I'm so thrilled that um, I don't know what's happening in the movie. I don't know what's taking me. This could literally go anywhere. Anything could happen in this movie. And I'm, you know, I'm here for the ride. And so I love when, when a movie kind of gets me to that point. Um, Cause I think 
there are a lot of movies out there that are formulaic, especially horror movies. And like, you can kind of, you know, even if it is kind of being scary or, you know, having pop out surprises, you know, what's happening. Um, and you know, what's going to happen with the protagonist, you know, he's going to win, you know, he's going to lose. And barbarian just kind of like, again, it just surprised me with so many different aspects of it. I, yeah, just, I, I really like that barbarian. And just in case you're wondering, my brother agrees with you when it came to the smile, smile versus barbarian. Once again, my brother ridiculed my smile take. So, um, that, that, not that, definitely not disagree with you. Awesome. That's a pretty good list from us. So for Seth, we had everything everywhere all at once, Top Gun Maverick, and Barbarian in that order, with the big disappointment being Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park Dominion. I, I couldn't remember That's the <laughs> I couldn't remember Dominion. We just talked about it, Dominion. I was about to say sex, Jurassic Park sex. Um <laughs> for me, my films were um Prey, Top Gun Maverick, Everything Everywhere All at Once, as well as my biggest disappointment was The Northman. Um, awesome. Okay, that's 2022 in review. There you go, people. Now you know what to watch and what not to watch. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, thank you all. We will be talking to you soon. Yeah, so this will be, this is the first episode of season four. As I was just telling Seth, we're almost at 3,000 views. Thank, thank you to everyone who's watched. I mean, listen, and <laughs> all of the above. I'm going to shut up. Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit from here. So watch out. Watch out, world. Woo! They say those are the hardest, the first 3,000. After that, it's, it's easy. A million just comes. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Seth. All right. Goodbye, people. You stepped on me. <laughs>